Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection. I'm your host, Marisa Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, Neil Haley. Today's guest is Maria Burns-Ortiz. She's the co-founder and CEO of Seven Generation Game, where they make educational video games and the tools to develop them. Maria has helped lead Seven Generation Games from concept to commercialization. She has been named one of Forbes' Next 1000, Business Journal's 40 Under 40, and one of the National Latina Business Women's Association's Rising Stars. Prior to Seven Generation Games, she wrote a New York Times bestseller, taught digital media at Tufts University and Emerson College, and was an award-winning com- columnist for ESPN, and named one of newspapers and education's Latinos who will change the world. Welcome to, to the show, Maria. That's an impressive resume. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So I'm so excited to have you on the show. You know, my background is in tech, and uh, I, was a, I was a gamer from back in the 80s and <laughs> for a long, long time. And I always wanted to get into game development when I started learning program. That wasn't my plan, but I'm really curious because, you know, you've had the company for uh, around 10 years, I think, and, and that's a long time for a women-led tech company, especially around video games. Um, which is not common for women um, to, 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 be, uh, to be successful. So tell us about your journey on how you started this company and why and uh, what you love about it. Yeah, it's funny you're saying, you know, you would have loved to be in games because if you had told me I was going to be in games, I'd say 10 years ago, I would have said you were completely out there. <laughs> there was no possibility. But yeah, we actually started Seven Generation Games. Um, I had been in media before and I was just looking for something different. It's one of those things, you know, all the, the stars align and uh, this opportunity came up. And actually, uh, my co-founder, who is my mother, <laughs> said, let's start a video game company um, to teach kids math and do it more effectively than it's being done. And I think narrative's a big part of that. That's, this was all part of her pitch. And she said, you're a really good storyteller. So come and do this. And so that's how we actually started looking at how could we close the math gap. Um, we started specifically looking at indigenous communities. And once we had data that showed that the games that we developed were able to do that, we kind of grown from there. And so, yeah, that was kind of our, our pre-years. And then we we officially incorporated uh, about two years later in 2015 and, and went all in. And here we are. So, yeah, it's one of those crazy journeys, but it's been really, it's been really fun and sometimes not so fun, but it's good. That's so great. Yeah. Um, what community, who's you? Oh, sorry, Neil. No worries. Uh, so no, I was my, my first question for you on, on that whole thing, video games, equating Matt, you see there's definitely need, right? When you created this video game to be the connection with math, especially where kids just need that extra resource to get motivated to do math, right? Exactly. And then the way we talk about it is, you know, a kid will play a video game 50 times to get incrementally further. You know, they will try and they will fail and they will take what they learn and they will try again to do a little bit better. And we weren't seeing that. We thought that's really what education is about. That's how you get better at math. No one sits down and solves, you know, 
calculus equations the very first time, you know, you start and you progress and you, you try and go backward, you know, and, and so we found games to be the perfect vehicle for that starting at, you know, multiplication is where we, we jump in because, you know, math, it's not easy and it's not perfect. And, you know, games make it a little bit more fun. That's so cool. Where, where are your games uh, found? Like which, where do you, um, what, what kind of institutions carry your video games? Yeah, so we're pretty much, we try to be everywhere at this point, um, but we're, we have, we're in the app stores, Google Play, uh, through our website, we work with a number of schools. We try to make sure that it's accessible as much as possible, as widely as possible, because we don't want it to be something where, you know, we talk a lot about, and we don't just talk a lot about equity, I think on our team, we really live it. <laughs> One of the things I'm proud of is our team is, as a company is 90% Black, Indigenous, Latino, we're uh, more than, our, our team is more than half women, right? And so we really, for us, this idea of having equitable access meant kids everywhere could hopefully access as many of our games as possible, not just kids who could get them because their school paid $25,000 or whatever some of these these other software solutions out there are costing. And so pretty much, you know, through sevengenerationgames.com and as many places we can get, we try and have our games out there. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so you mentioned that um, Black and, and Indigenous um employees and kids how do you recruit for that and Latino, yeah. so and we, you know, I think we look at, yeah yeah we looked around so two of our, our founders are, are latinas and uh we started working in indigenous communities but i think I, I you know one of the things people say oh that's you know we i think it's two things one we have networks often that reflect ourselves right in the communities that we're in and the communities that we come from and um so sometimes when we're asking for referrals we're getting referrals very different than you know, some of the tech pros at some of these other companies out there who look around and say, we'd love to hire diverse candidates, but they just don't exist. They are out there. And so we have a really strong network that I think enables us to tap into that. But also we're in, you know, a lot of the folks who work with us are from the communities um, that we try and serve. And so not only do they come, but they can see themselves reflected in this, or they look at our products as, this is something that I wish that I'd had as a kid. Um, that's not just, you know, fun games, but also culturally reflective in a lot of ways. We have bilingual English and Spanish games. We have games in indigenous languages. We have, and so I think that people look at that and they can see themselves in a way um, that they don't see themselves in other companies. And that makes people want to work here. And we're, we're doing so, good stuff at the end of the day. <laughs> that is so cool. So, so my parents are, are from Sicily and I'm first generation American. And I was always into technology, like, you know, radios and stuff like that. And then computers didn't really exist when I was a kid, like that were personal computers. But man, I would have loved to have had a mentor or a group such as such as yours, a company who, you know, brought this technology to me. Right. And I had like someone that I can aspire to. Right. Because, you know, as a role model, like how exciting for these girls to be able to have that with your organization. Yeah, you know, and I think it's a really important thing. We um, talk within our company about two different things, right? There's certain people who will, you know, so, some of us, I'm one of people, if I look around, there's no one that looks like me, then I will just push my way through and make it happen. But there's a lot of, whether it's girls or people of color that look and see no one else that look like them. And it's really hard to aspire to something that you cannot see. And so we really try and make that possible. And, you know, we turn around and say, you know, look, when you walk in here, you're not the only female developer, you're not the only Latino developer, you're not the first black developer, you're not any of these things, you get to be you because that's, you're not carrying the weight of, of, you know, 
representing all of your community, you know, you just get to be here. And I think that's really important for a lot of people, um, especially younger people coming in. That is so great. Um, so I noticed that you you were an award-winning columnist for ESPN, which is also really outside of the box of what you would think like a Latino woman would be in that field. So between that and and starting this company, like you've had a lot of kind of uncomfortable situations, like having to put yourself in situations where it's all brand new and you're learning everything from scratch. Um, what what do you think drives you to do that? And then what do you do to 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 get yourself on track yeah you know i and i always used to joke i went from like the most white male dominated field to the most white male dominated field um but i think for me you know it was something that i was really interested in and and so it was this opportunity to do something really cool and really fun and so that was kind of when i got into sports media that was my goal and it was really interesting and i got you know my whole goal actually which was i want to work for espn i want to work for espn because if you start you want to do sports media, you know, <clears throat> where are you going? Right. And so that's kind of tough. And I had gotten, actually, I started covering college soccer for them. I was 23, I think when I started there and after about, I don't know, seven years and I worked in different writing roles there, but, you know, I started thinking like, is this it? Not just, you know, it wasn't even where I was, but that would have been my whole goal. And I'd already achieved that. And I wasn't even 30 at that point. And I thought, you know, your whole life, everyone says, what do you want to be when you grow up? But no one ever says to you, okay, and then after that, what, you know, and I kind of found myself looking at that. And so this opportunity came along, and I got to take a lot of those same skills, but try something different and build something um, that wasn't just fun, but that really made a, a serious impact. And so it was, it was a fun opportunity. And I think it was a learning opportunity, how you can take skills from one area and transfer them to something that might seem radically different. But I was like, I'm actually, you know, well prepared, I can research and I can talk to people. And I, you know, I'm not discouraged by no one else who looks like me being in the room sometimes. And so there's a lot of those things, you know, uh, the critics and the comments on sports articles are nothing compared to middle schoolers who are giving you honest feedback about your games, right? And so it's been kind of a fun opportunity to build that out and, and to kind of keep, you know, always keep learning. And I think that's something that sometimes we forget and we get comfortable. And for me to keep pushing myself has been great. I love that. I'm always learning. I And I'm always telling people, you know, I've managed a lot of teams being in the tech space for, for years. And I've always tell them, you know, spend five, six, 10 hours a week learning something new just for fun, you know, because you never know when you're going to use it. And it it just keeps you being inspired all the time and what you do. Um, and so uh, so with that question, your mom inspired you to do this. Um, what is it like, you know, they tell you not to work with family members, right? What was it like working with your mom? And did any of that personal stuff, you know, between you perhaps come into the business, probably some of it in a good way, but probably, you know, what happened when you, when that comes in, in a not so good way? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think that if you look across um, history, there's, you know, histories of family businesses, right? I mean, like, centuries or probably millennia of family businesses, right? And so we're kind of continuing that tradition in some ways, I think, but in the next generation, the next iteration of what that looks like. For us, it was really, now I'm the oldest of, at my mom's, I have, there was four of us. I'm the oldest. And I think it's very different. Like my sisters were like, I could never work with my mom and everybody has different dynamics, you know, but, um, you know, so I think for me, it was just a really good fit. And she and I get along really well. And I think there's all these things about they worry about 
you know, married co-founders splitting up and things, but you don't really hear about people like, and then me and my mom split up, you know, it's, that's much <laughs> more rare. And so I think for us too, a lot of the things is, you know, you know, that person, you know, how to already deal with a lot of these things. Like, you know, how do you handle conflict? We, you know, we'd had 30 years experience <laughs> in those situations and things. Um, so I think for us, it was a really good, easy process. And I think it's really helpful because you know, that if you are, you know, if you're in the, you know, in the, you know, figurative, you know, startup kind of trenches with someone to have, have someone that, you know, is going to be there no matter what, and not just in that, like, nice to say it way, but like literally who has been there for you your entire life. Um, I think it's been really good for us. Now, like I said, not everyone can always work with their parents, I know, but for us, it's a, it's a good dynamic. I think we're kind of two peas in the same pod in some ways. That's so great to have that support from her. So what are what are some of the things, you know, learning, you know, when you're learning, you always have to keep people motivated and excited, right? And so what are some of the things that you either incorporate into your uh, games for the kids or to your employees to have them continue to be creative and bring that into the games that you're developing? Yeah, you know, I think I think there's two things. For our employees, we always want to make sure that people are continuing to, like you were talking about, continuing to learn. And I think, especially in tech, the tools that you use will change, but that ability to learn new things will always um, carry you far. And so for us, that's been part of it. It's like, we want everybody to always be learning. And for the kids, I think one of the big things that we talk about and look at is like context, right? And, and making sure that things feel applicable. And I, I think that's probably true in the office too, but you can actually apply it in the moment. But, you know, you want to know that there's a purpose to it. I'm not just telling you need to know this because, but, you know, if there's, you know, sickness spreading in your village and you have eight sick people, you need three of each herb for, you know, ever, you know, for people to get better, how many herbs do you need in total? And so things like that, and they go, oh, there's a point to math. <laughs> you know, there's a point to these things, not because someone runs up and drills you on multiplication tables or, and I think sometimes that gets lost in, and, and I'm, I, I think teachers are just, you know, saints living among us. So I don't mean that in a critical way, but sometimes, you know, that gets lost. Sometimes kids feel in, in education, like how does this apply to either my real world life or in our case, I talk about, you know, virtual world applications of real world skills. And so building that out so that they can feel that and use that and understand why it's important. And once they understand, then they're like, oh, okay, now I need to learn it because there's reasons for it. And so I think that's a big part of what we try and do for kids is make it fun, but make it, you know, applicable. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because my son, I have a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old boys. And my my 20-year-old, when he was in high school, like he got into programming and he wanted to be an engineer. But then um, he, you know, by this 10th and 11th grade, he would send me TED Talks on how bad the educational system was. And he would be like, there's no purpose to this. They want me to show my work, but I just know it. I don't know how I know it. There's no purpose. Like, he would get so frustrated. And eventually, he dropped out because his mental health was affected by the fact that they weren't listening to him. They, they, they weren't, you know, they put him in a box as to how he needed to be, but it wasn't motivating for him. So now he's, you know... He didn't graduate, but now he programs all the time and he, you know, he does it just for fun. Um, but, you know, it's interesting that you say that having a purpose when learning why you're doing those um, those math problems is I, I can totally relate to that. So um, that's great that you incorporate that. 
So let me ask you, you have probably changed significantly into the space, right? There's so many different aspects and having to partner with all these different organizations and getting your game out, games out and, and working with kids and getting in that mindset. What would you think the biggest thing, uh, biggest growth uh, has been for you personally um, from, from this whole experience? You know, it's just, it's been crazy. I think this ability to do things that, uh, not not that you didn't think you could do, but just the ability to pick up things, you know, like rapidly and to be, I think, more flexible, to be quite honest. You know, sometimes things, I'm very much a planner and a plan A, B, C through, you know, double F type of person. Um, and really running a company, you can have all of your plans, but things never are going to go according to any of them, you know? Hopefully they don't all go against it every day, but you know, you have to be flexible and you have to take a step back and just breathe sometimes and and take it all in and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to do that. And it will all be all right at the end of the day. And also, you know, my mom always says, and at the end of the day is another day. Right. And so kind of (laughs) one make or break kind of thing. And I think I've gotten better at that realizing that it's, you know, the sum of all of the work and all of the as opposed to this really important thing at the moment. And so I think that's where I've kind of grown is, I don't, I don't want to say I'm more relaxed because I'm certainly probably not, but I'm more understanding of it's the long game. That's great. What is it that you do to relax? What do you, what is, what do you do in your downtime? If you have any. Right. Well, I have three children. So I three, my oldest is 14 and my youngest is seven. <laughs> So my my away from work time is usually running children, different soccer practices and different things. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, my favorite tweet I ever saw was, you know, life is basically being an adult is saying after this week, things will slow down every week until you die. Um, <laughs> so I think I'm in that phase that with small children, especially and running a startup and, and do all those things, you know. I just my downtime is dreaming about what I'll do if I really ever get real downtime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it ever changes. I, I, I'm juggling like so many different things. I just feel that the older I get and the more free time I have, the more I want to fill it with my passions and doing things such as this podcast. Right. It's a good way to do it though, right? Absolutely. Then I get to meet women such as yourself and Neil, who's been a, a pleasure on all of these. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, just, and it's the funny thing. I'll just jump in and the final points before we're running out of time that, you know, it's it's about when you do something like this and get to meet new people. It's so much fun and it becomes so much fun to do more and more and more of them. And Marisa's seeing this with interviewing over 60 plus people oh. and she's only been a podcaster for two months. I got to give her kudos wow. for that. That's that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, she is. She is trying to catch up to me. Nine thousand plus interviews. I don't know if she will because I'm always on them. So that's just sad. I just I'm never going to catch up. To my plate. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. I, I will never catch up, but it's been great. I have had over 60 women book with me. I've interviewed half, and every day I get two or three more that have booked with me. It's just been a pleasure. I, I'm glad that women are open to having this discussion, right? Um, because it's so important to be mentors to other people who aren't, who aren't out there. And that's one of the main reasons why I did this because in my career, I never really had 
female mentors to, to, to support me, uh, to look up to, to guide me. And um, I just, I love this. And I, I, I hope, you know, young women out there get to listen to this. And I hope young men as well, because they can learn from this as well. So thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, any words of advice for anyone who wants to start their own business? You know, I will, I will give the advice that my mom gave me when she talked me into doing this company. So obviously it was good advice because it worked. But, you know, there's always going to be a better time, right? You'll always be more financially stable. Your kids will be older. You'll be further in, the, in your career. You'll be all these things. There's always going to be a better time. And so you should just do it now because there's no better time than now, ultimately, because you'll never open up. So That's great advice. I love it. So where can people find you, Maria? Uh, the best place, Seven Generation Games. So www.sevengenerationgames.com or on social media, I'm Burns Ortiz, basically and everything. Um, but yeah, either of those. Terrific. Thanks so much for, for being on the show. It's been great having you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching bootcamp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you.